Hey, Willow family, it is so good to be back here with you and to be able to open up God's Word. One of my greatest joys is for us to gather together and center our hearts and minds on God's Word and allow Him to speak to us. Um, John chapter 4 is where you can find me today as we dive in and see how the Lord wants to prepare our hearts to walk in this next season. See what I did there? Next. (laughs) John chapter 4, verse 4. Hear these words of our father. Now he had to go through Samaria. He had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sachar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Uh, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get? this living water. Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water wailing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this great church. Thank you for this season. Thank you for next. Father, as you prepare us, would you anchor us in your word? Father, would you speak, O Lord? Your children have gathered to listen. Tune our ear to your voice ever so clearly. Turn our hearts toward you so that we might experience the fullness of all that you have for us. God, it's to that end that I ask that you now stand in my body, think through my mind, speak through my vocal cords, those things you would have us say, know and do, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, you are my strength. You are my redeemer. Get glory in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. My mom had the gift of hospitality. She had the gift of hospitality. Not only could she cook, but she could host. She was the hostess with the mostest. I, I mean, we had a whole room that we couldn't even go in because it was reserved for guests. I used to go and stand on the edge and think and look around and be like, one day I'm going to be able to go in there and sit down and I can hear her screaming, not today, get out of that room. Uh, in, in that room, you had uh, our, our dining table that was reserved just for uh, dinner parties and special guests. And we had a whole China the cabinet that was filled with stuff that never got used other than once or maybe twice a year. Uh, My mom's fine silverware. I remember the plates with the little little gold trim around it and and the crystal glasses, the glasses that were reserved for special, special occasions. And in there, she had the salt shaker and the the pepper and, and, and they were they were in these, these beautiful crystal 
gold encasings where trimmed in sterling silver. It was just amazing, just beautiful pieces. One day when I had a lot too much time on my hands and a little boredom and a, a vivid imagination, my eye caught the salt shaker, the light shining off of it, how beautiful it was. Um, and then oddly enough, I thought about the salt inside. And I thought, with this only coming out once or maybe twice a year, the salt that's in this shaker would never fulfill its purpose because it would spend most of its days in the salt shaker, in this very beautiful salt shaker, just being on display, but not fulfilling its ultimate purpose, which is to add seasoning and flavoring to food. <laughs> well, if you get it early, I won't have to preach as long, Willow. When I think about our churches in this season that we find ourselves in, I'm telling you, I'm the first one in line. I miss being in church. I miss being in the building. I miss seeing all of you stretched across in the mezzanine and the wide. I miss, I miss being in that space. I miss it so much. But sometimes I wonder, do I miss it too much? And, 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 and have we run the risk of being so enamored with this beautiful salt shaker that we call the church building, that we've become so consumed with the building that we've missed opportunities for we as the salt of the earth to actually go and fulfill our purpose. And that is to bring flavor and seasoning and engagement to the world. It's a dangerous thing about a beautiful salt shaker and y'all, we got one of the, we've got some of the most beautiful salt shakers in the country, I'd argue in the world. The best of the best. But even as I think about my mentality, honestly, if I, if I just have the confession, confession, I've been thinking more about getting back inside of the salt shaker than I've been thinking about using my life to fulfill the purpose of the salt that the shaker holds. <sighs> 2020 forced us out of it, but I fear that instead of being out of it and thinking about how I can actually go fulfill my ministry and purpose, I've spent more time thinking about when and how can I get back in it. Now, I love a good gathering more than anybody else. Y'all know me. I love church. I love being in church. I grew up in church. The more I think, sometimes I wonder if that's actually, in fact, the problem. We've grown so comfortable being in the salt shaker that we struggle with getting out because it's more comfortable in the salt shaker. We know more people. We get along. We agree with them. Hey, let's, let's, let's be about this. Well, this text flies in the face of that. Jesus breaks. When I tell you he breaks all the rules, he breaks all the rules and the disciples try to help him, but Jesus just wouldn't listen to him. He, he, the disciples tried to encourage him. They, he, the disciples were like, yo, we don't do this. And Jesus is like, I'm doing this. Let's look at a couple of the rules that Jesus makes in our passage today. Number one, he says, we must go through Samaria. You need to know culturally, 
this did not happen. This is a big deal. This is just not some line in the passage. No, this is a declaration that he's making, a declaration of change and a declaration of walls being torn down. Normally, historically, culturally, Jews had no dealings with Samaritans and Samaritans had no dealings with Jews. They didn't like each other. They didn't get along. You think... You, you think this election was rough and they didn't get along in this election. It had pales in comparison to Jews and, 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 and Samaritans. Let me tell you something. They, Jews, oh my goodness, they looked at Samaritans. They called them mutts, uh, mixed mongrels, because they had intermarried and entertained inter- other breeds. And, and they, called them, they called them mongrels. They, they, they had no love for Samaritans at all, so much so. They didn't want to be around Samaritans so much so. When they had to travel and walk through, they would add to their journey by walking around around Samaria just to avoid being in the company of Samaritans. So when I tell you the hate was huge, it was huge. So when Jesus is walking with his disciples and and the disciples get ready to do their normal Jewish cultural rhythm, and that is to go around Samaria because we ain't fooling with them that's that's a whole thing, you know. When you got an attitude, you 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 snap your hand like, you know, it's just it's, it's, it add a little sauce on it. Anyway, he, the disciples get ready to go around Samaria, and Jesus says, "No, we must go through Samaria." Insert record scratch now. Go through Samaria. He's making a statement. He's saying, "Yeah," because when following Jesus, you don't get to go around people. You don't get to go around racial divides. You don't get to go around the cultural bias. You go through Samaria. I think as we seek to leave the salt shaker and have a healthy rhythm and a healthy life outside of the salt shaker, we're going to come back in, but, but our vision and our purpose is going to drive us, not the crystal cap cathedral that we gather in. We, we're going we're gonna to be driven by our purpose. In order for us to do that, we've got to be willing to go to places that are culturally uncomfortable. We got to be willing to go to places where the people don't look like us, don't live like us, don't vote like us. We've got to go to places where people are. People that, that aren't the same as us. People that, that may not live in lifestyles like us. People that, that, may not, that may not vote like us, that don't think like us. We've got to be willing to go there. One of the biggest problems and one of the biggest challenges is we just end up with people that just look like us, live like us, and just vote like us. And we make that then the standard and the norm, and we're most comfortable there, and we accept a call to comfort and ignore the call to kingdom. God is saying we are the salt of the earth. He's calling us out of the salt shaker, and he's calling us not just to be outside of the salt shaker with people like us. He's saying get out of the salt shaker and go to Samaria. Go to Samaria. He puts himself in a very interesting predicament. They, he didn't stand outside arguing whether Samaritan lives actually matter. He went to Samaria so that he put on display that Samaritan lives actually matters. There's a, there's a life. We, we will discover that there's a woman at the well and he will meet this woman and he's making a big point in our passage. Her life matters. You, disre- you disregard her experience. You disregard her, 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 her theological positions. You disregard her lifestyle. You disregard, you don't agree with none of that. But I'm saying, even with all those disagreements, all, all, those, all those dynamics, her life still mattered enough for me to show up for her. There's some people you need to show up for. 
that won't come inside the building. That's why God puts you out for a reason. Every week he sends us out of the building. Every week we get commissioned out um, so that we can show up and be salt for somebody who desperately needs it. Salt, um, a quick reference to Cheers uh, from the 1990s will show you that at this bar, the food eatery, um, they do something very interesting financially from a business strategy. They would put free snacks on the counter. They, they put free snacks on the counter. Um, so you'll be able to go in and immediately you begin to eat the free snacks. But the thing would happen after eating the free snacks. What would, <laughs> what would inevitably happen is you would begin to get thirsty. Why? Because the free snacks were high in salt content. And things with high salt content creates thirst. Jesus said, my saltiness has got to go and meet the thirstiness of the world so that we might have an opportunity to invite people to the living water of God. Woo, that was good. Let me say that again. My saltiness needs to go to the thirstiness of the world so that we might have an opportunity to invite them to the living water of God. Church, we got to get out of the building. We got to see our mission and our purpose is to go out and take our saltiness to the thirstiness of the world. He meets this woman and I love the way he went. He wasn't timid. He went and approached this woman with confidence. We need to go out with confidence. Watch this. He goes up to the woman and listen to, look, listen to how he talks to the woman. He says, give me something to drink. He, he literally goes up to and says, give me something to drink. And the woman, she was like, um, first of all, Samaritans don't like Jews and Jews don't like Samaritans. So why are you even talking to me? Jesus, not, not, not turned away at all. Not, Jesus wasn't tripping at all. I'm, I'm sorry, tripping, um, discouraged or dismayed in any way in his ability to respond back to her. Um, he, he wasn't tripping. He said, if you knew who I was, you would have asked me for something to drink. She was like, you don't even have a cup. How you how how you gonna give me something to drink and you don't even have anything to draw with? And what is it? Are you you got your own water? You got your you you got your water? You got some better than than what this is? Like like Jacob drank from this well. Jacob's children drank from this well. Jacob's dog drank from this well. You got water better than Jacob? He says to her, "If you would have asked me, I would have given you living water." Water that dwells inside of you and springs up new life. The water that you seek, you will thirst again. But the water that I give you, you will never have to thirst again because it will satisfy the deepest longings of your soul. Can I have some of that water, please? (laughs) Because she was thirsty. She knew what it was like to be thirsty. And Jesus brought his salty self to her thirsty self so that he can invite her to something greater. You know why you got to have confidence? 
You know why you got to go out and you got to meet people and talk to people and see people who don't look like you, who don't live like you, who don't vote like you, because you might discover there a thirstiness for one who is greater than you. For one that is greater than you. He, he was willing to cross the line. Not only that, he was willing to go and invite her and invite her to something beautiful. I want you to go and cross the cultural line. I want you to break the rules. I want you to break the cultural rules. And then secondly, I want you to go and I want you to break the rule of so many times our relationships, we think they need to, they need to cater to our comforts. So some of us, we wouldn't have made it past the second statement with a woman because we would have been offended. Well, well, I'm a Jew. We would have been up in there defending ourselves. I, don't, I want you to break the second rule, and that's don't bring offense, bring hope. Did y'all hear what I said? I said, don't bring offense. Don't, be, don't, come, don't come and be so quickly offended or defending who you are, why you are. What. No, 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 no. Don't bring offense, bring hope. He said, hey, I want to give you living water. I want to offer you something because clearly I know you're struggling. The next, the next question we'll, we'll, we'll say, he says, go get your husband. Well, she didn't have one. As a matter of fact, she had been in one broken, abusive relationship after another. It wasn't her fault. The way the culture was set up against women during that time, if her first husband would have done anything inappropriate or anything, he could have asked for a divorce. And once she's left alone and not married, she's held victimized to his sibling or another man. The men had all the power. So the reason why she was in one relationship after another is because she was passed on by one man after another. Six times it had happened. And Jesus was the seventh man. And he had come to make her whole. He brought hope. He didn't bring offense. He brought hope. The other thing that I think is fascinating, he goes to a place that he ain't got no business being. He brings her hope instead of bringing offense. In order for him to go there, you know what he had to risk? And I think what's so beautiful He risked his witness so that he might be a witness. Can I give that to you again? He risked his witness so that he might be a witness. So many people are like, well, I don't want my good people. And if I'm seen with those people, they may witness it. He says, yeah, no, 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 no. I'm willing to risk being seen with a Samaritan so that I might reach a Samaritan. I'm willing to risk being seen by a Samaritan so that I might go and love a Samaritan. Where do, you, where do you need to think about being a witness more than you think about risking your witness? Is God inviting you to places, to people, to friends? That they don't do the stuff that you do. <laughs> they ain't got a lot of good Christian Jesus-y answers, words, or habits. Where do you, where do you need to allow your saltiness to rub against their thirstiness? He goes there, he brings hope, and he also, he also speaks boldly about what they disagree with. He speaks boldly about what they disagree with. After 
he has shown her love and shown her saltiness, after he has been generous and offered her hope, then he brings his conviction. He brings his conviction. She comes back to him after he invites her to this rough place and she says, go get your husband. She said, I have one. He's like, I know you have one. You've had five. She's like, you must be a prophet or something. And then she says, well, here comes the religious part. See, we disagree theologically. And so he crosses a theological boundary. He breaks the rule of theology. They, he's, she says, we believe, y'all believe that we should worship up in this mountain and y'all say we should worship in Jerusalem. He says, he says listen, Y'all do believe the wrong thing. You worship what you do not know, for salvation is of the Jews. Notice the strategy. He's, he's not compromising himself theologically. He's willing to call out the difference in theology. But that's the last thing he does, not the first thing he does. He could have said that the first line. He went there knowing y'all believe something you do, do not. Y'all worship a God you do not know. That wasn't the first line out of his mouth. The first line out of his mouth was, give me something to drink. Let's talk about this water that I have. And before he even expressed the first line, his first action from his, from his life was, I'm coming to a place that most people that look like me ignore. But I'm here. And after being there, after engaging her, When the conversation happens, he says, yeah, we disagree theologically, but I'm here to offer you something much more than a fight. I want to offer you a faith that's not predicated on where you worship, but it's predicated on who you worship and how you worship. And that's in spirit and in truth. I'm inviting you to a spirit and truth worship where you can tell the truth about where you are and still experience the power of the spirit of the living God who has always longed for you and always desired you. Wow. She says, yeah, I know that kind of Messiah. I've heard of him. And one day he'll come and he'll make everything right. How amazing for her then to hear him say, the one you're looking for? I am he. Friends, I guess I want to encourage you. Something beautiful happens when salt leaves the salt shaker and we take our saltiness to the thirstiness of the world and we say, hey, there's something bigger than our differences. There's something bigger than our fights. There's something different even with our religious perspectives and worship. There's a space called spirit and truth, honesty and wholeness, love and grace that God is calling both of us to. And that love that we've all been longing for, Jesus has come, he's provided it, and I'm here to share it. Remember these words. They'll know that we're the real deal, not by our doctrine articulation, not by our ability to defend what we believe, but they'll know we're the real deal by our love. Present, salty love. We go there, we're present, and we love. Friends, I want to get back to church, but I want to stay out of the salt shaker mentality, and I want us to fulfill our mission. That's what's next for his glory. Amen.